memory. Earlier in this week, the Lord brought this song to my memory and began to speak with, to me about this message for today. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19 says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places, everyone say holy places, by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Notice those words in in verse 21. Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, That's verse 19. You see, the death of Jesus paved the way for you and I to access the holy places. Verse 20, by the new and living way, he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. The curtains here is made by the Apostle Paul to the curtain. The curtain in the tabernacle that separated the holy place from the most holy place or from the holy of holies. Throughout the book of Hebrews, Paul writes about the correlation between the tabernacle in the wilderness and the believer's relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to talk about that tabernacle for just a, a brief moment here today. You see, the Holy of Holies was the second or the interior portion of the tabernacle. No one was permitted to enter in the Holy of Holies except the high priest. And he could only do it once a year on the Day of Atonement. The Holy of Holies contained the Ark of the Covenant. The Holy of Holies was a perfect cube of about 10 cubits. And depending on how big a cubit is, it's anywhere from 18 to 21 inches, uh, depending on measurements of the time and, and what, uh, what time period that you're, you're researching. But uh, it was somewhere around 17 feet by 17 feet by 17 feet, a cube. Separating the two chambers, the Holy of Holies and the Holy Place, was a double curtain of the finest workmanship. Again, no one ever passed through that curtain into the Holy of Holies except the high priest, and he only went once a year. As I stated, the Ark of the Covenant was the only piece of furniture in the Holy of Holies. It was an oblong chest, and inside that chest were the two tables of stone which God wrote the commandment, the Ten Commandments on for Moses. 
and the pot of manna and Aaron's rod that budded. Over the top of the Ark of the Covenant, there in the Holy of Holies, was the mercy seat. And this Ark of the Covenant was the chief representation of God's presence in Israel. The mercy seat, which was regarded as the lid of the ark, it was, it was the most important thing in the holy place, the most holy place. Because at the mercy seat, that was the meeting place between God and man. It was the kaporeth, or the covering. Not merely just the covering of the ark, but the covering of Israel's sins when it was sprinkled with the sacrificial blood once a year on the Day of Atonement. It was the covering of their sins. On each side of the mercy seat were two cherubims, angelic-type beings, engraved in gold. And that's where God spoke to Moses. Time and time again. And once Moses passed from the scene, only the high priest ever saw the Ark of the Covenant in that holiest of holies on the Passover day. Year after year, decade after decade, Down through the centuries, the Holy of Holies remained day in and day out in total darkness, except for that one time a year. Then when Nebuchadnezzar's armies came and destroyed Jerusalem in 586 B.C., the Ark of the Covenant disappeared and it's never been found again. And when the second temple was built and the third temple was built, the Holy of Holies was there. The curtain was there. But there was not an Ark of the Covenant. In the third temple, Herod's temple, which existed at the time of Jesus when he walked on this earth, there was the Holy of Holies without the Ark. But they had the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the holy place. And upon the death of Jesus, Luke 23 tells us that it was about the sixth hour that there was darkness on the whole land until the ninth hour. While the sunlight, excuse me, while the sun's light faded and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. When Jesus gave up the ghost, when Jesus gave up his life on Calvary, the curtain in the temple was rent from top to bottom. It was torn miraculously and by the power of God in two. That's what the Apostle Paul was referring to in Hebrews 10, 19, when he said, Therefore, brothers... Since we now, since we have confidence to enter into the holy places, we have confidence to enter into the holy places, not just the holy place, 
but the most holy place, the holiest of holies, by the blood of Jesus and by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain. That is, through his flesh, the Apostle Paul makes the analogy that the curtain of Jesus that was ripped, excuse me, the, the flesh of Jesus that was ripped and torn into pieces and broken is symbolic and representative uh, uh, by the curtain which was in the uh, temple. And when the curtain, when Jesus, when that flesh died, when Jesus gave up the ghost, that curtain was ripped apart. And when that happened, everything changed. Nothing would ever be the same. Go back to our text. Let's read again. Now therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter into the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great Priest over the house of God. Referring to Jesus Christ. Verse 22. Let us draw near. Let us draw near. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. As we move Toward the end of 2022, as we enter what many will consider this busy time of year, this is the last quarter beginning uh, uh, next week, time of Thanksgiving, time of Christmas. I was thinking about why is it that everybody waits to the last quarter to get together? Why is it everybody, everybody says, we got to get our family together. we got to get our friends together. we got to get these events. we got to have all these events. And we're going to save them up for October, but not really in October. We're going to push them to November and a lot of them in December. Now, the church does that too. We're not, not, I'm not pointing fingers. The church does that. We all do that. It's, it's kind of in our, in our dynamic. But there's another thing that I want you to Understand about the last quarter of the year. If there's any time that people are more open to the things of God, it's in this last quarter. Things have fallen into place at school. The weather is changing. Summer is over. Christmas is on the horizon. I'm actually driving by homes and seeing Christmas decorations up already. I've seen two homes this past week where Christmas lights and decorations Christmas lights and decorations were in place. With that, people are more open to hearing about Jesus. And an invitation to church during the last quarter of the year than perhaps they are at any other time during the year. So we as a church, we need to lean into the culture around us. 
There's many things about the culture that we will resist and we won't go along with, but we can go along with a culture that says, hey, I'm open to hearing about Jesus. I'm, I'm open to maybe an invitation to church. We have to take advantage of this time of year as it affords us the best opportunity to make a difference in somebody's life. To encourage somebody. It gives us that opportunity to invite somebody to church. To share the love of Jesus with people around you. So today, the title of my message is simply one word. Closer. Closer. To be effective in taking advantage of the opportunities presented to you, you need to draw closer. This one word describes the, the, uh, the vision or the, the desire that I have for Crossroads in this, these next three months, this last quarter of the year, closer. I want you to draw closer to Jesus. I want to draw closer to him. Closer to the one who seeks your worship. Did you catch what I said? Who seeks your worship. Jesus said the Father seeks those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Closer to the one who redeemed you. Closer to the lover of your soul. Closer to the one who's described in Proverbs chapter 18 and the last part of verse 24. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Concerning the matter of drawing closer to Jesus we, we have to remember that this is a walk by faith. Our relationship with Jesus is grounded in our, our knowledge that he is our salvation and he is our savior. And it is our walk by faith that sustains us. Not every moment do we feel just overwhelmed by the Spirit. Not every moment do we, uh, do we uh, see him working the way that we would like him to work. As a matter of fact, there are sometimes, perhaps in your relationship with God, you, you go through a dry spell and you go through a, a momentary time where, where you're wondering, where is God and how can I find him and where is he at? We walk by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. It's not always what we see. It's not always what we, uh, uh, what we engage in with our, our five senses, but we walk by faith. And as we draw closer to him, we must understand that it is a walk of faith. And in your spiritual walk, you must learn to hear the voice of God. You must learn how to stop and listen to God as he speaks to you. Sometimes he'll speak to you when you're least expecting it. When that happens, you need to learn to stop. When, when God wants to speak to you, there's nothing more important going on in your life. I need to say that again. When God decides to speak to you, there is nothing more important going on in your life. 
You need to sit down. Pull the car over. Step out the back door. Find a place where you can listen to what the Lord is speaking to your heart. There's been times that the Lord has sp- wanted to spoke to me and I was, I was getting ready to move. I was getting ready to go do something. And it's almost like I felt him put his hand on my shoulder and say, sit down. I got something to say. But he doesn't always do that. Matter of fact, he doesn't do that very often. Most of the time he speaks and he expects me to stop. He expects me to respond. He expects me to listen. And I'll just just tell you how it works for me. Many times when I'm in prayer, the Lord speaks to me. When I I realize he's getting ready to speak to me, I I get out my pen and I get out my my notebook, my, my journal, and I, and I get it, and I don't have it here with me, but I get it out, and I just get ready. I say, Lord, I'm ready. And then he begins to speak, and I begin to write. You need to learn. Whatever, whatever way he, he operates with you, everyone, as Linda was talking about earlier, everyone is, is different. Everybody has their own testimony. Everybody has their own relationship with Jesus Christ. But whatever it is and however he does it, you need to learn to hear the voice of the Lord. Oh, I know. You know I, I couldn't care less what the world thinks about this. A few years ago, on The View, uh, Joey Behar uh, the ABC uh, news program, it's really not news, it's junk and gossip is what it is. You, you can see how much I think of it. She, they took issue with uh, then Vice President Mike Pence who said he talked to Jesus and the Lord spoke to him and she called it a mental illness. Well, if she thinks I'm mentally ill, so be it. I know for a fact that you can speak to Jesus and Jesus will speak to you. It's called relationship with Jesus Christ. And who cares what the world thinks about it? And who cares about what anybody else uh, thinks about it? If I get an opportunity to draw closer to Jesus, if you get an opportunity to draw closer to him, then let the world pass you by. You need to understand that as long as your feet are on this earth, as long as you are touching this thing called earth, you're always going to need to draw closer to him. You're always going to need to develop a, a stronger and a better and a greater relationship with him. There are three quick concepts that I want to talk to you about, about drawing closer to Jesus. Three things. The first one, You must intentionally draw closer. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And then he said, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. 
the underlining that you see in the text is mine. That's obviously not part of the scripture. I've underlined it and you see it on the screen. Cleanse your hands. Purify your hearts. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Verse 10, humble yourselves before God. You see, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. You must intentionally decide in this next quarter that I'm going to draw closer to him. No one is going to stumble their way to heaven. I'm a firm believer of that. No one's just going to live life haphazardly, stumble along, trip and fall, get up and just kind of clumsily march their way or fall through the pearly gates. I believe the people going to heaven are the people that intend to go there. People that live their life and plan and intentionally make it their mission to get to heaven. You're not going to fall out of bed tomorrow morning and just draw closer to Jesus. I guess unless you fall out and hurt yourself and then start praying and that causes you to get serious about God. That, that could be a scenario, I suppose. But generally, you're not going to just get up and go about your day and automatically draw closer to Jesus. You'll only become closer if you would intentionally Decide to draw close. Several years ago in 2016, we uh, preached a series of messages entitled the, the series On Purpose. Justin and I uh, preached that, those messages. There were four messages, and uh, Melissa, I believe, ordered some little things to pass out, little um, mementos. Uh, we had a magnet for one message, compassion on purpose. We had a mirror cling that said pray on purpose. We had a wristband that said love on purpose. We had an ink, ink pen that said blessing on purpose. And I may have gotten some of those mixed up, but it doesn't make any difference. You see, the, the, in, the point was that we were intending and intentional, intentional about doing some things. And so here we are, what is that, six years ago, we're doing the same thing. No, I'm not, I don't have any magnets to pass out today, and I don't have any ink pens to pass out, but we're talking about being intentional. We're talking about coming close to God. We're, ta we're, we're talking about being intentional in growing our relationship with God, doing it on purpose, doing it by intention. In October, we're going to give you an opportunity and we're going to help you join together as we all draw closer to the Lord. And this is the first announcement on it. You'll be hearing more about this. But October the 17th to the 21st, a Monday through Friday, we are, we are having what we call a, a closer prayer initiative. You'll be able to sign up and uh, be a, a part of this. 
There'll be a place that you could put in prayer requests for salvation of, of people that you're praying for. Uh, there'll be a, a, a prayer card, where uh, a prayer guide, I should say, where you'll be guided to pray nightly in your home. And there'll be prayer efforts that happen here at the church, not every, every night, but be a, a one or two during, during the week as well. And we're going to be fasting daily from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. All of this in an effort for us as a body of Christ, as a church here at Crossroads, to draw closer to Jesus. Let me ask you, what are you doing to intentionally draw closer to Jesus? The second thing I want you to note about drawing closer is that you must draw closer to him with a heart of gratitude. With a heart of gratitude. Everybody around you today is a victim. We have created a mentality in our, our culture that everybody has been victimized. And, and don't get me wrong, there are people that have been victimized. There are people that have been abused. There are people that have been hurt. I, I'm not taken away from that. But I'm taken away from every Tom, Dick, and Harry and everybody that, you know, every, every Susie and uh, Vanessa or whatever that, uh, you know, they just, you know, they just want to claim victimization over nothing. People... It's, 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 it's a mindset, it's a culture that, that we have, uh, that we have uh, got ourselves caught up in. As a child of God, as someone that is born again, you need to, you need to stand up and say, look, I'm going to live with a heart of gratitude. Even if I am a person that has been victimized in the past, even if I am a person that has gone through this or that, or maybe I'm the person that's never really been victimized and we've just gone through life experiences that we didn't like. It doesn't make any difference where you're at on the spectrum. You need to stand up and say, I choose to be grateful. I choose to, to draw close to the one who gave his life for me. I choose to have a heart of gratitude. You can always find something to complain about. <laughs> well, there's a couple that feel that way, but it, 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 it's the truth. You can always find something to complain about. You can always find something that, that doesn't go your way. You can always find something that, that you don't like. And we can all get together and just, just have big, big times together where we complained and we griped and you know what about three minutes in the presence of some people is about all I can take there were, there were people there were uh, a few years ago there's people in, that I occasionally had to come in contact with and I would, I would tell my wife I'm glad I wasn't near a knife after I heard them talk for three minutes, I might have slit my throat. It was bad. <laughs> Why?
One of the ways you draw closer to Jesus is you come to him with a heart of gratitude. There's a song we sang it last week, I believe, that, Lord, you don't owe me anything. You don't owe me anything. How often do we think God owes me this and God owes you that? He doesn't owe you anything. The very fact that he has washed your sins away, the very fact that he has forgiven you, the very fact that he has let you be born again and you've been born into his kingdom, you have all the reason in the world to be grateful and to be thankful and to praise him and to rejoice. I think, it, and I, I think it was in Habakkuk. I wish I'd thought of this because I could have brought you the, uh, the verse. Uh, I think it was in Habakkuk where the prophet said, if the fig tree doesn't blossom, if the, if the vine does not bring forth her, her, her fruit, if the fields, and, and I'm paraphrasing, and if the fields do not produce he said, yet I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. And in the English, we miss what he was really saying. He was saying that the fig tree doesn't blossom, if the vines don't produce, if the, I think he wouldn't have said that if the, if the, if the, uh, the cows lose their, uh, lose their young ones, if the, uh, if the herds do not produce, if everything falls apart, he said, I will spin around. I will spin around in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. You see, I'm not coming to God because I got a list of things I need him to do for me. I'm coming to God with a grateful heart that says, I thank you, Lord, that I'm in relationship with you. I thank you, Lord, that I just have the opportunity to talk with you. You realize that if you received a note today that said the President of the United States wanted to speak to you in the next two minutes, even though if you're like, even though if you feel like Paul did last week when he made his comment about the president. And if you won't hear, you're going to have to talk to somebody else and figure that one out. You would do whatever it takes because you respect the office and you respect the man and you respect the position. You change your schedule. You do whatever you had to do. And you'd go speak to them. Even if you don't agree with them, you treat them respectfully. I submit to you, the king of the universe wants to speak to you today. He's got a word for you. In just a moment, you're going to have an opportunity to come around the front and you're going to have an opportunity to talk to the king of kings. A matter of fact, the king of kings is probably speaking to your heart this very moment. What are you going to do? And that takes me to the third thing that I wanted to bring to you today. As you draw closer, you must be open to the words of Jesus. Open to his words. Hebrews 4, 16, let us then with confidence draw near to 
to the throne of grace. Draw near to the throne of grace. That we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Hear the voice of God. You need to tell God, Lord, speak to me. And whatever you say, I will do it. That's how you, that's how you draw near to him. Lord, whatever you speak to me, whatever you say to me, I'm listening. Tell me what to do. I will do it. If you want to draw closer to God, you have to be open to hear and do what he wants you to do. Closer. 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 Stand with me. Closer to him. Closer. We must draw closer to Jesus. Beginning today. Beginning right now. By intentionally drawing closer. By having a heart of gratitude. And by opening ourselves up to what he would say to us. In your relationship with your spouse or with your children or with people on the job, you have encountered people that you want to talk to them and you can tell they were totally closed to what you had to say. How do you think the King of Kings feels when you're close to what he wants to say to you. He has all power. He could force you to open up. He could, he could make it happen. But that's not what he wants because that doesn't create relationship. With Knox, Lindsay has a little thing that when she when he's not listening to her, she's, she'll say, have you got your listening ears on? And he'll go like this. Well, Knox is pretty sharp because when he gets tired of hearing his mom speak and doesn't want to hear anymore what she has to say, he'll reach up and go like this. Sometimes I'm afraid that's what we're doing to our Heavenly Father. He's wanting to speak and we're turning our ears off. I challenge you today. Let's start drawing closer to Him right now. Would you come to the front? Would you respond to Him as He's speaking to you right now? What are you going to do to draw closer to him. The faith team is coming. I forgot, I meant to mention them, but they're prepared and they're, they're here at the front of the church. If you need prayer, you can, you can find one of the faith team members. We, we, we don't do this just for games and just to have something to do, but we're serious about people that want to be helped in relationship with Jesus. And if you need somebody to pray with you, you can find someone that would, has their faith team emblem on, but if not, just respond to him. Just talk to him on your own. Just come now. Just, just 
Respond to him. What are you going to do? What are you going to do right now to draw closer to him? You've got an opportunity that you may not have the rest of the day. I could spend time with him right now. I could spend time with my Lord, with the King of Kings this, this very moment. Would you come here to the front? Would you come, would you come right now? Just open up your heart to him. As the music plays, if you're here at the front, just lift your hands. Say, Lord, I'm here. Lord, I'm, I'm here. I intentionally have come to hear from you today. I open up to you, Lord, a heart of gratitude. I want to hear what you have to say. I'm open to your words. I'm open to you, Lord. I'm open to you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. The Spirit of the Lord is ministering right now. 